Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. Daniel Jones never really showed anybody that he was a upper-tier quarterback. But what do we do if we don't sign him? They nba the decision. And you can't NBA a decision in football. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. Presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VEASAN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos, and we have a jam-packed podcast for you guys. We will get into Cowboys 49ers Sunday Night Football this week. Big one over in the Bay Area. Also, we'll talk about this class of 2021, these quarterbacks that where one quarterback has emerged as a legit guy in Trevor Lawrence, but the rest of them, uh-oh, this might be a little bit problematic for those franchises. But, Michael, let's begin, speaking of uh-ohs, with the Chicago Bears. The, the once monsters of the midway are, I don't know what we even call them now, but they're the, probably the worst team in the NFL, 0-4. And this has been going back a couple years now, and I think that we might be headed towards maybe some changes if this continues. Well, look, I, I think when you break down this Bears team, you know, and you step away from the delusion of the offseason where people were predicting MVP, people were predicting playoffs, their win total was seven and a half. Nobody was really paying attention to their team. And now, you know, now they're 0-4. And in the last uh, – since last October when they beat the Patriots uh, and they have – and they, they lost to the Commanders. They gave up, I think, 12 points in that game, right? Mm-hmm. The last 14 games, they've allowed 33.4 points per game. And this is with a defensive head coach. And this is with an offseason. And so it's going from bad to badder. <laughs> and I don't know how much longer you can deal with this. I don't know how much longer you can. Tonight on national TV, mm-hmm. you know, against a bad Washington defense, which hasn't played anywhere near the level uh, – that we might think they could play. Their offensive line has been a disaster. Do you realize, Femi, that Sam Howe has been sacked more times? He's the third leading person in terms of quarterbacks sacked in four games. David Carr in 05, he had 27. Carr in 02 had 26, and Howe's got 24. Jeez. And we got this game tonight. But I think the issue to focus on tonight, not Washington, is where do you go if you're the Bears? I, I think that's a really important question, and that's a question that everyone's been asking. We heard earlier this week on 670 The Score in Chicago, Peter King, national columnist for the NFL, was asked about this, and here's what he had to say, and we'll kind of react to this sound on the other side. You can't lose 14. I don't, I don't care who's playing for you. You cannot lose 14 games in a row and think you should hold on to your job. So... I would not be surprised if it's a bad loss Thursday and the Bears make a change. Just wouldn't be surprising. But I would be surprised if they totally cleaned house and went and got a new general manager as well. It just doesn't seem that doesn't seem that logical to me. Could tonight be the last night for Matt Eberflus on the sidelines for the Chicago Bears? Because there's that long bye week here now playing on Thursday night. Well, I mean, look, you, you know, I, I think when you break this down, I mean, you know, one thing about Peter that you, you, you know, Peter used to do what Jay Glazer and Adam Schefter did, right? Mm-hmm. That's what he used to do, but he kind of got away from that a little bit in terms of, in terms of, you know, he doesn't really do scoops. So when Peter puts something out, somebody's telling him something. I'm not saying he can't make this judgment on his own, but he's hearing it. And then when he added the caveat in there, that, you know, Ryan Poles is going to be safe, you know, now all of a sudden you think that, okay, you know, maybe he's getting this from, you know, somebody's kind of heading him off. Look, we know this. Mm. Let's just set the stage here. Kevin Warren is the new president. He comes in. He didn't hire any of these people. Ryan Poles hired Eberflus. Now, remember, this is the Bears are a very family-run organization. They rely on the league office. They rely on their friends in the league office to help them make decisions. 
they're a mom and pop operation. Nothing wrong with it, but that's what they are. And last time they hired somebody, they used Bill Polian and Tony Dungy to help them. That's how Eber, that's how Poles got there. Because remember, Polian was leading the interviews. And that's how Dungy, and Dungy was helping them with, with Eberflus through Rod Marinelli. So that's the partnership. And I mean, when you read, when you read the quotes, I couldn't have been more excited to have Matt become the next head coach of the Bears. His experience, passion, character, attention to detail made him the right man for the job and the culture we intend to establish here at Hollis Hall. Throughout the search, Matt impressed me with detailing his vision and plan for our team. Well, I, you know, look, if, if you go back and listen to the GM shuffle when he was hired, I said this. You know, Matt's a very simplistic. It's all about playing hard. It's all about creating turnovers. It was never really about scheme. And so, you know, he walks into a tough situation. They don't have very good players. Mm-hmm. I don't care that they say Poles is safe. I mean, Poles has made some bad decisions. Second-round pick for, for Chase Claypool. They don't even want him in the building. Hire an Eberflus. Are you sure that was the right hire? So, to me, the underlying factor here, Femi, and I don't think you can really – walk away from this is the stadium Mm. the stadium is a tremendous motivator for teams to make bold decisions we saw this in dallas yep i was gonna say jerry jones took his plane when he took his plane to uh to teterboro airport and sat there on the runway and brought bill parcells over and they spent four hours on an aircraft and they talked that got jerry world in place there's three teams that are not playing well, that have stadium issues, that are going to be in the market for a splash, if you will. And I think the Bears are one of them. And the stadium issues with, that, with the Chicago, it's a go, they want to move to Arlington Heights? Is that what it is? I'm not familiar with the Chicago area, so forgive me, our, our Chicago listeners well, out there. Well, they want a new stadium. But, but yeah, I think that by, They want a new stadium. Yeah, they want that new stadium. And you can't get anybody encouraged to go to a new stadium, just like Jerry wanted a new stadium. Mm-hmm. You need financing. You need a lot of things to work in your favor. You got to have somebody who can bring everybody together. You know, I mean, look, Jim Harbaugh interviewed for the Minnesota Vikings job last year, the two years ago when Kevin, when, uh, Kevin O'Connell got it. I mean, Jim Harbaugh's an alum, first-round draft pick of the Bears. Mm -hmm. Do they make a move for Jim Harbaugh? Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? You know, I mean, look, they're at this crossroads. They're at the crossroads of of a very delicate situation with their team. And I don't think, you know, they fired Tressman after two years. I don't think they're going to need more of a sample size to realize they're headed down the wrong road. You can blame injuries, right? You can blame a lot of things. And but the reality of it is, is they got to fix it. It's it's broken and it's been broken for a while. It's been broken for other than Nagy's one year with Trubisky in the playoffs. It's been broken for a long time. It's got to get fixed. How do you fix it? You hire somebody who's got credibility to fix it. And somebody that the fan base will be excited about because this is a passionate fan base in the Chicago Bears, third biggest market in the NFL. And all you see on social media and all you hear about on the radio stations, all that is like Bears fans just absolutely done with this team, with the Eberflus and Fields and this this head coach and quarterback connection and what they've seen on the field here. But you said that, and Peter King said this, it's not just you saying this, but Peter King thinks that Ryan Poles would be safe. Why do you think Poles would be safe despite everything seemingly being a disaster and he's the one that hired Matt Eberflus to be the head coach? Well, I I don't think the Bears are are a team that likes rapid change, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think they're a team that, that really likes rapid change. Uh, I think they they'll be willing to make some changes, but I don't think they're a team. They're they're a uh, they're somebody who makes rapid changes. Look, they fired Tressman. Tressman went eight and eight his first year. His second year, he goes five and eleven. They fired him, so he's thirteen and nineteen, and he got fired after two years. Right? He got fired after two years. Th- this is this is well below. This is well above anything that Eberflus has done. So we know their patience. Now, when they fired Tressman, they also fired uh, the general manager, and that's when they brought Ryan, my Ryan man, pa- Ryan, Ryan Pace. Uh, Ryan Pace. Mm-hmm. I got Pace and Poles. You know, um, they brought Pace in, and then he was the one who basically he's picked two quarterbacks for him. He's picked Trubisky and he's picked Fields, and then he got fired. So at some point, they're going to have to make the Jed York decision. What do we do? Right? I think to me, when you look at successful teams in the NFL, they make decisions based on what they see can get them 
in the right direction. Because this randomly selecting this coach, San Francisco decided they wanted to hire Kyle. And they gave Kyle all the authority, and then Kyle hired Lynch. Mm-hmm. Okay? You know, now Lynch has the title of general manager, but let's make no mistake about it. Kyle runs the organization. Everything from football and player selection all goes through Kyle. That doesn't mean he doesn't listen. We know he drafted Trey Lance, all that. Okay? I think that's got to be the case here for the Bears. They've had this separation of general manager and coach, and it really hasn't worked. If they're going to go get a coach, like a, a somebody like, a hard, some, they're going to have to give him a lot of they're going to have to give him a lot of authority because I don't know if many people are going to want to come in and be at the at the feet of okay Ryan Poles like Ryan Poles is the GM does how about his job mm-hmm. how about his decision making see I think that's where it gets a little iffy and the Bears, to put this into perspective and add a little bit of context, they're 1-17 in, in their last 18 games. They've lost 14 straight. This is the longest losing streak in franchise history, and it's six shy of tying the longest losing streak in NFL history. And, oh, by the way, they're six-point underdogs tonight against the Washington Commanders, a team that we all acknowledge is like probably middle of the road at best, and they're a six-point underdog here on the road in prime time. Uh, yeah. You mentioned Harbaugh, though. and well, the, Oh, you, you want to say something here? Well, I mean, just let's put it. Let's let's give some more some more stats to it. I mean, Fields mm-hmm. is five and twenty four straight up. Yep. He's eight and twenty against the spread of his career. He's in, in the minimum of twenty starts. He has the lowest against the spread percentage of all quarterbacks of all NFL quarterbacks over the last twenty years. Okay, when the Bears' opponents score more than twenty points, they are twenty and zero against the spread. Pathetic. All five, Jeez. all five of Fields' wins have come against opponents that have scored twenty points or less. I rest my case, counselor. It's absolutely there. Pathetic. Needs to be nothing else said. This is the one thing I've learned about being in this betting world, and I don't bet. Mm-hmm. Is sometimes the betting numbers tell you about the player. It tells you about Fields. It tells you about Mac Jones. It tells you about the player. We'll get in that in the C block. But mm-hmm. to me, that's really something that's real. The last thing on the Harbaugh point, the fact that he interviewed with Minnesota before they hired Kevin O'Connell, do you think that he can be lured away from Michigan, which is his alma mater, and he yeah. wants to bring a national title to them? Yeah, I, I think I think at yeah. some point, you know, with the whole he got suspended three games, four games, I, I think, look, Jim's going to listen. No, I mean, I don't think he's just going to jump at the first opportunity, but he's going to listen. Yeah, and if they give him personnel control like Kyle Shanahan got in San Francisco – it sweetens the pot a little bit they're there. They're going to have to do something. Yeah. To give somebody good, they're going to have to give it to somebody. We'll see what happens tonight. The Bears, six-point dogs against the Washington Commanders. On the other side, we got to talk about Big Blue and what we saw Monday night here on the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Earlier this week over on vcin.com, we encourage everyone to go ahead and read it. Michael, you wrote about the 
situation and how hard it is to find great quarterbacks. And and really the, the prism of which you wrote this column through was the New York Giants and what we saw Monday night and what we've seen throughout this regular season, a little bit also last year, despite the success that they had. And it has to do with Daniel Jones. Now, We'll say this before, like nobody's blaming Daniel Jones entirely for what happened Monday night. We get the offensive line was banged up. We get that they were bad. And not many quarterbacks would have had a chance to succeed in that game, specifically giving up 11 sacks to a Seattle Seahawks pass rush that isn't really much to write home about. But there's a larger point here that you wanted to make here with the New York Giants and Daniel Jones and signing the contract that we've been making all throughout this offseason. And it's really come to a head here four games into the season. Yeah, I mean, look. Daniel Jones never really showed anybody that he was a upper-tier quarterback. Now, the Giants fell into that NBA trap. But what do we do if we don't sign him? What do we do if we don't give Bradley Beal a big deal? We're still going to lose, but we're going to give him a big deal. Like, they, they NBA'd the decision. And you can't NBA a decision in football. You shouldn't do it in basketball. You shouldn't do it in basketball. It hasn't really worked out. How many of these guys that, that are good that get these elite contracts that end up being horrible, that end, they, their contracts end up being horrible? I think Daniel Jones showed you last year against the level of comp. See, this is what I, I think we don't understand. And I'm not anti-Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones is an average player. He's not the sixth pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. He's an average player. But when he goes against better competition, when the, when the stakes go up, and against the NFC East, you know, it's just not there. The numbers, he, he never gets over seven yards per attempt. Against the NFC East, he averages 6.5 yards per attempt. He's thrown 19 touchdowns. He averages one touchdown a game. He averages a half an interception a game against the NFC East. His quarterback rating in that against the NFC East is 86.8. I mean, I know... Jason Garrett's not a great offensive coach. I know, you know, they don't really have a great offensive line, but these numbers are staggering. And then if you're a giant employee and you turn on the tape in Houston and you watch them play Pittsburgh and you see C.J. Stroud in his third week throw the ball effectively, not turn the ball over, you say, wait a minute, what's going on here? Great, there's, and they got Nico Collins and Brendan Cooks around them. It is with a completely backup offensive line. Yep. I mean, they're not even in the backups. They're the backups to the backups. <laughs> yeah, and another and they block Pittsburgh and they move the ball. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So, to me, I think this is the issue with the Giants. I mean, you know, they've been, they've been outscored in primetime. They're 0-3 in primetime and have been outscored 94-15. to I don't know what else to say, but I think to me the issue is you can't, if a guy is good, you can't pay him like he's great. That's my issue. And what was wrong with letting him go to the market? Who was going to pay him this? Why were you scared about losing him? Yeah, and that's and this your favorite line of we didn't second guess this, we first guessed this. This was we did like half a podcast on the New York Giants and talking about Daniel Jones's contract and what they should do with Barkley and Jones. And I think from your article, my favorite quote that you put in here from your article it says this: "Filling the quarterback position is the hardest challenge of any coach or executive. Great quarterbacks, as John Madden once famously said, become the deodorant for everything that is wrong with the team." And that I think is the crux of the: Do you pay? for a guy or do you not pay for a guy because if the guy can't be that elevator and elevate those around him like we get it's a team game but the quarterback if they're going to get that sort of money and this is a salary cap sport have to be the elevator daniel jones is not the elevator he's not a win because of he's a we can win with him but we can't win because of him and that's where you get into a tricky situation if you give him the money that they gave him earlier this past march it it almost is like People criticize Marty Schottenheimer for not winning a Super Bowl or being good in the playoffs. And Marty was one of those coaches, 200 career wins, one of eight, and I wrote about it in the football done right, that has was able to win with very average quarterbacks, mm-hmm. not great quarterbacks, whether it was Bernie Kosar, whether it was Steve DeBerg. You know, now he had Phillip Rivers in, 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 in San Diego, obviously, but Rivers never got to a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl with any coach. So, you know, I, I think to me – Marty was able to take good players and have the team around them. But when it got to the next level, the next round, 
he couldn't quite get there because the quarterback wasn't good enough. The quarterback wasn't good enough. And I think that's what you're seeing. To me, when you watch these quarterbacks, especially from the, the 21 draft, you watch Lance, who's now a backup. You watch uh, Justin Fields, who I just gave you those numbers that no one can deny. Like, you cannot defend those numbers. You can blame it on somebody else. You can move it all around. But you're just going to be in the same place you were when you bring someone new in. And you look at Mac Jones's numbers against against teams that he has to beat. I mean, you know, it's it's scary. I mean, it's scary. He he over the last twenty years, Mac Jones is ranked two hundred and sixty eighth out of two hundred and seventy one quarterbacks as an underdog against the spread. The only active quarterback worse, Justin Fields. <laughs> so for all my harping on Fields, Mac hasn't been able to deliver either. Now, what Mac's been able to do is beat bad teams. When he's a favorite, he's better than Fields. Fields isn't good against bad teams or good teams, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody's sitting here saying that Fields played well last year, last week. Really looked great. He turned the ball over twice in the fourth quarter. Nobody talks about that. Like, great players don't do that when the game's on the line. You know same thing with Mac. He goes against the higher level of comp. He's 0-10 against the spread as a dog since the start of last year. The rest of the NFL, the rest of the NFL as a dog is 185-145 during that span. So dogs typically can win. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they winning? Well, they fall behind 29-6 to in the first quarter. You know, his quarterback, you know, he goes up, they're up, uh, you know, quarterback percentage, it was at 2-5, now it's at 2-7. Last year, they could run the football. This year, they can't run the ball worth a darn. You know, everybody complained about Patricia's offense last year. They averaged 4-6 a carry. This year, they're at like 3-6. They can't run the ball. I mean, Mormondo Stevenson averages five yards a carry last year. He's down to 2-7. So there's more than just one thing, but I think what happens is once you've played enough games as a quarterback, teams get a read on you, and they play you differently. I want to get back to these class of 2021 guys, but my last question to you here on Daniel Jones as it pertains to the New York Giants, because when Joe Shane, the general manager, was hired and Brian Dable was hired, both those guys came over from Buffalo, they denied the fifth-year option for Daniel Jones. They didn't pick up that fifth-year option, so which made Daniel Jones last year an unrestricted free agent, heading into that unrestricted free agent season. Uh, like, How do you go from that to then seeing the year play out how it does? And I get that they made the playoffs. They won a playoff game. But clearly knowing that, hey, this was a lot of of, of the pieces of surrounding parts and what Dable was able to do as a head coach, which led to that success. How do you go from that, from denying the fifth-year option to then signing to a long-term extension? Like, is that just, like, is it confirmation by it? Like, from an organizational standpoint, like, how do you get to that point to where, Months ago, it was, we don't want to lock this guy up to now. Let's go ahead and give him a four-year deal. Shane Parrish, who runs a website called Farnham Street, and Shane is, was in the Canadian Central Intelligence Office, decided he wanted to get out and start something on his own. So he started Farnham Street because he admired Charlie Munger and he admired uh, – Warren Buffett and the name of the street. And I was, I gave a speech in Omaha this year. I actually was on Farnham street. The name of the street in Omaha where their offices is, is called Farnham street. So that's why he named the website Farnham street. He has just come out with a good book called decision-making the art, the source of all bad decisions are usually blindness. And so there's three criteria that he focuses on. And, and I'm going to read them to you. Cause I think it's important to understand this because I'm not knocking Every time people think you're knocking somebody, no, mm-hmm. you're knocking the decisions. And oftentimes the decisions are related to people not understanding how to make decisions, me included. Like, like I'm a lot better at that process now than I was when I was in the league. So I'm not trying to say I have all the answers. But po- position you're in, at the time of making the decision. Can you manage your emotions? Don't make decisions when you're angry, tired, hungry, etc. You make decisions on proving yourself right instead of getting the best outcome. John Mara loves Daniel Jones. He qualifies for number one. Number two, over, overcome over ego. Are you focused on the best outcome or are you focused on proving myself right? Number two, we drafted him six. We want him to be there. Mm-hmm. Number three, are you thinking independent of the circumstances or are the circumstances thinking for you? Are you thinking independently of what the crowd is doing or is the crowd thinking for you? 
If circumstances or the crowd is thinking for you, you're really not thinking at all. Mm. Those are the three areas where you make mistakes in decision-making. And so when you read this book, you realize that number one and number two qualify. He, was, he wanted to be right, and those nine wins made him feel right. Instead of taking a step back, instead of saying, you know, I'm going to call Lombardi on the phone. He's been killing us for years. I don't like Lombardi. I think he's full of shit, but I want to know why he doesn't <laughs> like our team. I'm, so, I'm being dead serious yeah. here. Like, I'm being dead serious. Like, why don't you like, like, tell me why this was the wrong decision for me to make. Like, everybody takes it personally. Like, everybody takes it personally. Like, you cannot take decision-making personally. We just read about it. Mm-hmm. Like, tell me why. I would have said, John, every time the game speeds up, he doesn't play fast. Stop watching the games against bad teams. Watch them against Dallas. Watch them against Philadelphia. Put the games on when the game goes faster. Like I wrote about in the column. If he were a fighter pilot, he would be dynamic in the simulator. But once the war game started and decisions had to be made rapidly, they wouldn't give him an aircraft. Hmm. When you get, okay, so if he called me and said that to me and he had that, now maybe he goes back, Lombardi's full of shit, he just doesn't like the Giants. Okay, you could say that. That's not true. But maybe you go back and start looking for things that I saw that he didn't see. This is the problem. People, people don't want to make this. They want to prove themselves right. I drafted him six. He's a great kid. You give him $40 million a year? And this was in front of you. You saw this. It was on the tape. I'm, not ta- I'm no b- smarter than anybody. It was there. You just ignored it. Yeah, and, that, and that's making decisions with emotions. And, and like you said, like just trying to prove yourself correct. And the, the Giants, or at least John Mara, emotionally invested in Daniel Jones and have, having him be a success story. And then now they sit here with Daniel Jones next season having a $47.1 million cap hit. Uh, I don't think that's and, the and situation. And now we'll finish this in the next block. Part two to that, I got to answer that. Mm. Well, we'll get to that part two and also get to the other games here on the GM Show. So the New York Giants right now, after Monday night's debacle, sit here at one and three. And when you take a look at their schedule here, Michael, it's not going to get any easier because this Sunday they're at the Miami Dolphins, 11-point dog. The next Sunday, no break, at Buffalo, where they're probably going to be like a 13-point underdog. Then you come home to face Washington and the Jets, then at the Raiders, at the Cowboys, at the Commanders, home New England by week, and then home Packers, at Saints, at Eagles, home Rams, home Eagles to end the season. When you look at that schedule, I mean, you're probably going to win at most five games or so. Maybe it's four and three, maybe it's five and 12 to where later on this spring, the Giants will be in position to draft themselves one of these quarterbacks that's in college football right now. And there are a lot of good quarterbacks in college football. If you're the Giants, can you swallow the pill and take a QB this spring and move on from Daniel Jones? You have to. You have to. Look, you didn't pick up the fifth year. There was a reason. He did nothing in the next year to convince you other than you wanted to be convinced. So you have to for the good of the franchise. I mean, Joe Sheen and Brian Dayball let themselves, they went down, they went, came into the building not believing. And they, they drank the Kool-Aid. They drank the Kool-Aid. We all do it. We all think, okay, if we do this, if we maneuver this around, we'll get more time out of them. What I've learned in my career is once you get there, stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Either he can or he can't. You know, and so I think they have to. They have to. Now, it's going to take some kicking and screaming because what we're going to read about is, well, the line's not very good. They didn't mm-hmm. do enough to fix the line. They put resources in the line. I they they the did. I mean – I mean, they did put resources in the line. I mean, I, I think it's ridiculous for anybody to say or write that they didn't. When you look at what they put in, I mean, they draft Schmidt in, what, the second round? I mean, I'm going to get it right here for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Giants have tried. Now, maybe there's something wrong with their evaluation process, right? They picked Neal, top pick. You know, they Smith, uh, John Schmidt, Michael Schmidt's a second yeah. rounder. You and, know, Andrew they, Thomas they was got, a top uh, pick. They, they picked the kid from uh, – they picked a kid last year, I can't say his name, Azundu, who's not very good at all. They picked him in the third round. They picked Matt Pearl in the third round. He's still on the team. He can't play. 
maybe you sit there and if you're John Mara, say, wait a minute, we're not evaluating linemen very good. We've had five different line coaches. None of them are any good. You know, you got Andrew Thomas. That's a good one. But Neil's not playing well. The one thing you can't say about him is they didn't try to put resources. They, they tried to. They signed Glaskowski they, as a free agent. They benched him, right? I think, to me, they have no choice. But, it, but again, it comes back to, are we going to be honest with our evaluation? That's what it really comes down to. Is New England going to be honest with their evaluation? <clears throat> and we still have what? We still have 15, uh, 13, uh, 14, 12 games to go. Mm-hmm. But the Giants have a larger sample size. What lurks over Jones is his rookie year where he did play well. This, the last two, the last year and a quarter haven't been good. Jones has been consistent. He has showed you who he is. You just haven't chose to believe it. And, and the way that ties into the class of 2021, guys, because we have, I mean, Trevor Lawrence for the Jaguars, it, breaking news, he's going to get his fifth-year option picked up, and they'll come to an agreement with him at some point next offseason. But these other guys where it's Zach Wilson for the no New York chance. Jets, we know where that's headed. Uh, whether it's, I mean, Trey Lance of the Cowboys, that's a whole different conversation. He's the emergency quarterback, not even active on game day. But you have Justin Fields with the Bears, and you have Mac Jones with the New England Patriots. All those guys picked in the first round, and this upcoming spring, their teams will get the chance to pick up their fifth-year options if they so choose. And they sort of have the Giants here as this example of, hey, we need to seriously evaluate what's going on and make uh, an objective decision and not make the decision of, hey, well, we picked this guy in the first round and we wanted him to be our franchise quarterback because, like you mentioned, either it is or it ain't. And for all those situations right now, it looks like it ain't. Yeah. And you just got to move on. You just got to make it. You got to make a hard – it's hard. It's not easy. But when you refuse to look at when you refuse to look at the evidence, when you want to change the evidence, then it is. Then it's harder. And look, they did it. I mean, you know, Shine and Dable have nobody to blame but themselves. They went in there knowing what they were getting into, mm-hmm. and they ended up doing it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. I, I tweeted them that. And the Bears this off season. The Bears and them. The Bears and the. I mean, there were been no two people, you included me. That, that were, well, you were probably more on the Bears than I were. But the, nobody thought the Giants were going to have a bounce back here. In fact, we got ridiculed because we, we said killed. that, you know what, I, I mean, that, that video had 2.1 million views. People were making fun of us. <laughs> we got killed. I mean, I was getting crushed last year by Giants fans. When I said, this is not a good team, even though, despite they made the playoffs and they won the playoff game, I was like, this is not a good team. Like, you're being fooled into what's happening, but we don't need to relitigate all that stuff there. Um, I, I think everyone's kind of seen what's come to light here. But, for these 2021 guys, because my anticipation is that they're not going to get their fifth-year options picked up heading into free agent years, the end of their rookie contracts. So we have Zach Wilson, we have Justin Fields, we have Mac Jones. Do any of these guys, in your opinion, do you think that these guys can be quote-unquote saved or can they be fixed in another situation? Because we've seen guys, I mean, like take a look at Baker Mayfield where Cleveland was like, hey, we're ready to move on and get you out of the building. So far, he's playing decent with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's the Geno Smiths of the world. There's so many, like Ryan Tannehill, when he was drafted by Miami, Miami got rid of him. He resurfaces in Tennessee. They give him a contract. Like, do any of these guys, do you think that any of these guys have a chance to have a second act of their career in another destination? I mean, I don't know about Zach Wilson. You know, we'll see if he'll play good in two games in a row. Last year against Pittsburgh, he had a really good fourth quarter. uh, And that was when they won. And then the next week, he bombed out. So consistency bothers him. I think Mac, if he could play to the level that he played in as a rookie, you, there could be some saving him. We've yet seen no evidence from Fields that he's been a good player. None. Now, you know, I mean, when I read you that stat about teams, you know, he can't, he never scores more than twenty in a win and five wins. Remember, I put that graphic up on Twitter this year: M- Davis Mills and Justin Fields. One team thinks they need a quarterback; the other one doesn't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know this. If I were the GM of the Bears, that would that wouldn't be a decision. I, I said it when they did it. If I were the GM of the Bears when I walked in that building, it would have been nothing but offensive and defensive linemen. That's all we would have been talking about. And get the quarterback right. Offense. Instead, he trades a two for Chase Claypool because he listens. Because you got to give skill players around him. You know, got to have skill players. Yeah. And they didn't address much of the offensive and defensive line this offseason, which was, I think, a disappointment with all the cap space that they had and the resources that they had there. Uh, they went ahead and signed two off-ball linebackers, and then they traded for D.J. Moore. D.J. Moore is a good player. Like, I like D.J. Moore a lot, but it's like you need to sort, on, sort of get, yeah, get the I mean, trenches he, right. 
Yeah. Can't block. He can't get him the ball. If the quarterback can't throw it to him, he can't get it to him, even when he, if he's not accurate. Well, it's looking grim for that class of 2021, which we talked a lot about during that draft class. And maybe that gives us a little bit of a pause for this class of 2024 that's about to come out with all of these quarterbacks like the Caleb Williams, Drake Mays, the Shador Sanders, Cam Wards, the Michael Penix. Like the list goes on and on and on for these class of 2024 guys. Maybe that's a a cause for pause a little bit that sometimes when it looks great on the surface, it's maybe not all of these guys are going to turn out to be great. But that's a discussion down the road. I, th- I think what the discussion is, is you you got to complete the sentence. If we draft this guy, what will we look like as an offense? What will we look like as an offense? What offense will we run? What will we look like? Tennessee, I mean, Houston said, okay, we're going to draft a guy who's never was under center, and we're going to put him under center, and we're going to make this look like this. And it did. And it has so for three games, four games, it's been really good. Mm-hmm. Did I think he could do all these things? No, you know. But they were able. They've able. They were able to do it. So far, so far. I haven't thrown an interception yet, <laughs> which is remarkable. This guy's this guy like four backup offensive linemen there, and they got another one that got hurt against Back, Pittsburgh. Backups. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's ridiculous. But got to credit to C.J. Stroud, who is oh by the way now the favorite to be offensive rookie of the year over at our show sponsor DraftKings. C.J. Stroud. So shout out to him. Uh, our guy Bryce Young, we still believe in you, but prayers up behind that offensive line. What the hell's going on in Carolina? <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad situation. Uh, we do have a few minutes left here in this segment. We'll get to Cowboys Niners and the rest of the games, but I wanted to ask you this year because Jonathan Taylor returned to the practice field. He is now Shane Sykin says they're not going to rule him out for Week Five upcoming. The Colts a big game at home against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Taylor's expected to address the media later on today, but. Is all kind of mended here, or does he still just kind of want to go get his money? Like, like what's where does this end up going? Like, are we headed toward the trade deadline, or, or what? What happens here with Taylor and the Colts? I think you know, I think when Ballard gave permission to the the agent and the kid to go out there and shop, I think cold water got thrown on it. You know, it's like Johnny Sachs said. I, you know, when Ralphie asked him, he said, "Did they talk about the 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 a promotion?" He said, I, "I threw cold water on it." You know. I clamped it down, which he, you know, he was lying to both Tony and to Ralphie. Yeah. It was, that was such a brilliant back and forth between the two of them, how Johnny played both of them like he was working for him. It was so good. I, I threw cold water on it. Yeah, I think they threw cold water on it. I think they Johnny sacked it. And now what else, what's his options? Like, what is his options? He's in Stephen Stills' category. He's got to love the one he's with. He got no other choice. Where's he going? Nobody came to his rescue. There was no knight in shining armor. That's a Sopranos one. Mm -hmm. By the way, my man, Kevin, on Twitter, he's having a Halloween party out at Tony Soprano's house. Like, that's got to be something everybody should go to. There you go. How about that one? There you go. Out at Caldwell, New Jersey, they're going to have a Halloween party. You going to make your way over there? I can. I would love to do it. I would love to do it. Halloween is that? I'm trying this week. I'm trying this week. I'm trying Saturday to go up to Bon Jovi's having a chili cook-off where the Jumbo. Uh, he has a a uh, a restaurant that feeds the the, the homeless and mm-hmm. all that. It's his kitchen, a charity type place. I was hoping to go up there, but apparently we're going to get we're going to get destroyed with weather this week on the God, East Coast. You guys are getting just getting killed so far this fall, man. It's like every That's other week there's something the on fall, the Femi, you, Yeah, I guess yeah. so. I guess so. Over here in, in Vegas, we're just you know. Chilling in the sun and get a little bit of wind sometimes, and it's we'll, we'll, we'll be mean, glad like, to get where, you out. Where else here. is he going to go? <laughs> Look, I mean, this is going to be if he comes back, they need him. I mean, Moss has played good for the Colts. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a fun game to watch. This is one of those games. I don't know if I want to bet. I think this is no. one of those games to watch. You know, because when you break the Colts down and the tight, you could make a case for. I mean, Vrabel is against the division. You know, Vrabel, you know, when he's an underdog. I mean, you, you, there's so many kind of scenarios. I mean, Vrabel in the months of September, October, November, mm-hmm. it's really – and the way the, the way the Colts played in the fourth quarter, you know, I don't trust the Colts on defense. I really don't, but we'll get to that later. Well, Vrabel has flipped to a favorite over at DraftKings. He's now a one-and-a-half-point road favorite in this game. And it's one of the tasty games that we have on the slate here in week number five. And we'll get to the tastiest of them all, Sunday Night Football, Cowboys, Niners, the rematch of last year's NFC Divisional Round. We'll break it down next year on the GM Shuffle.
You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, let's go ahead and wrap this thing on up. But before we do that, let's get to yep. the best from week number five, Cowboys Niners Sunday night football. I can't wait to watch mm. this one later on Sunday night. Dallas is a three-and-a-half-point underdog over at DraftKings. Total sitting at 45. It's the same market that we saw in the divisional round, which saw the Niners knock the Cowboys out of the playoffs. Uh, how do you see this one, the two teams that are thought of as the best in the NFC playing out Sunday night football in Santa Clara? You know, everybody made a big deal about McCarthy taking over the play calling, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody said, oh, you know, I mean, he was getting made fun on by all the analytical people. He doesn't know what he's doing, yada, yada, yada. Well, this is why he did it. Dallas has been able to control the football in games, 34 minutes to 37. And the opponent, 34 minutes, 37, and the opponents have a 25-23. Not only are they good on defense, they play less defense, Right. And why, it, why are they able to keep the ball? They're 51.6% on third down. They keep the ball away. And so, to me, their ability to run the football, their ability to uh, control the clock and play good defense it is remarkable. It really is remarkable. And, you know, the Niners, they're playing against a team that they hold the ball for 33 minutes. Yeah. They hold it for 33 minutes. So this is this is a game where both teams possess the football Don't let their great defenses have to play. But I think the Niners, they've covered the spread in the last nine games, have the longest current home streak in the NFL. They've been been really good. And they haven't lost a regular season game since they made the trade for Christian McCaffrey. And and McCaffrey has been otherworldly. I mean, what does he have, like six touchdowns already this season? And they've played four games? It's something ridiculous what Christian McCaffrey's been doing out there as a pass catcher and as a runner behind that offensive line. Uh, But this game especially with the Cowboys offense against this Niners defense, because a lot has been made about Dak Prescott, the turnovers that we've seen. I mean, in those two playoff games, the Cowboys failed to reach 20 points in either of them. Like It was 17 in the one in Dallas, and then last year it was 12. And With their defense holding the Niners under 20 points, they still can't get the win. Is this like – I don't want to say that is this like a big game for Dak Prescott because I think that's sort of lazy conversation, but it feels like if you're the Cowboys, you want to see some progress with your offense being able to move the ball against this defense. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you want to play the way they've been playing. They've been now. Look, one of the things you got to understand is they've played the Giants, Patriots, and Jets, right? And th- those three teams have had to play from behind. Arizona played from ahead. Mm-hmm. The, the Cowboys have only given up seven points in the second half all year, so they've been really good in the second half. But they played from in front, which is c- remarkable. This will be a different game. And uh, Wisniewski, Wisnowski, the kicker. To me, is probably he already has eight punts inside the twenty. Like what, what makes it so hard when you play San Francisco is a they move the ball and b when they do move the ball they may not get in scoring territory they give you the ball back inside your twenty which is hard to then move the ball on them. I mean think about it they're one of the areas where they're not even good this year so far they're twenty first in the league is, def- is sacks per play. I mean they're not even good in I mean that's one of the areas they're deficient. When you look at what I do is go to the game matchup board. So what I do is take I take all the games and then I sp- put them on a spreadsheet on the 18 categories that I think determine winning and who has ba- who is who is in the bottom quadrant in those areas and how they stack up. Well, the, ca- the this game the 49ers are only in the bottom quadrant in one, which is sack per pass. The Cowboys are second in that area. And all the other categories, they're in the they're they're above the threshold. So this is kind of two games that are evenly matched. Whereas like you take the Jets and the Broncos, for as bad as the Broncos have been defensively, mm-hmm. you know the Jets are in the bottom quadrant of nine of eighteen categories. The oh. Broncos are only in six. Wow. Real quick, the, uh, before we move on from Cowboys Niners, who do you think wins this game? I think San Francisco wins. Same. Yeah. I, because I, I think the reason you have to go with San Francisco here, Femi, is because we, we don't know how good Dallas is on defense. I think this is a game Diggs not playing shows up. Mm-hmm. The top four receivers for San Francisco all have 14 catches or more. They get the ball to their guys. It's not somebody jumps in. Ayuk, McCaffrey, uh, the tight end. I mean, all, all of them, they get the ball. You know? And so 
you know, uh, I think that that makes it very challenging. I think it's a tough matchup. Yeah, it's a really tough matchup. But I, I think whoever plays from in front, I think the team that plays from in front, their defense will play better. 100%. 100%. But yeah, I, I expect the Niners to win this game. I think the line's pretty fair there. Uh, Dallas just not as good as San Francisco, at least early on here in this season. Uh, you mentioned it, Jets Broncos. The Hackett Bowl. Nathaniel Hackett returning to the scene yeah. of the crime in the Rocky Mountains. Sean Payton said it was the worst coaching job in NFL history. Well, it comes to a head Sunday afternoon. Denver right now is a short home favorite, total 43 and a half. What do you like? You know, I was going through it, so I, I went through it and I compared Hackett and Hackett's first four four games to to Peyton. You know, offensively, you know, Peyton's had 951 yards. Hackett had 905. You know, Peyton scored 100 points. They allowed 150. Hackett scored 66. They allowed 68. You know, uh, EPA per play, Hackett's uh, was 22nd. Peyton's 11th. You know, and so defensive Peyton's 32, Hackett was seven. So it's kind of a conflict, right? Mm -hmm. They were better defensively in terms of personnel on the Broncos team last year than they are this year. They're better offensively, as we anticipated, organizationally and Wilson than they were with Hackett. To me, this is a game that the Jets have to be licking their chops at because if their defense plays good and Wilson doesn't turn the ball over, they should win the game. They have the more complete team. This Denver defense is atrocious. It's atrocious. And so what, what Peyton has to do is he's got to control the ball. He's got to be able to control the ball. And teams have been able to run the football. They have been able to run the football. For all the conversation about the Jets being great on defense, they're 29th in third down. They're 30, 29th in third down defense, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're not good there. And when you look at them on the – hold on here – when you when you look at the they're they're 29th in sacks per play. It's uh, not the defense. I mean, think about that, fam. Highly build. I mean, now they're not any good on offense in a lot of these categories. I mean, they're 30th on offense, offensive rating, you know. But they're they're just really bad. And then the fourth quarter defense, they're 26th. They're 23rd. It's not a low category. They're 23rd in punts forced. Damn. And Broncos are 32nd in that category, by the way. Now, like where they are good on defense is points <clears throat> per play defensively. They're ninth in the league. But but the Broncos are 32nd. Sounds like I want to take game. the Jets in the game. I want to I think it is. I think over. the line's been moving to the over. I want to take the Jets in the game, but they scare the shit out of me. I don't I don't know if I trust Wilson two weeks in a row to play good. Yeah, it sounds like an over game to me. Uh, Saints at the Patriots. New England's been hit with the injury bug. Christian Gonzalez out for the years, yeah. the stud rookie cornerback. Matthew Judon says that he will return, but, I mean, it's going to be maybe December at the absolute earliest dealing with his issue there. So the Patriots are a short one-point favorite, total sitting at 40, hosting the New Orleans Saints. It's New England's trying to bounce back after a disaster down in Dallas. Well, I mean, New England, you know, they they got to play from in front, and, and they've been horrible at doing that. I mean, they get behind immediately. They turn the ball over. They get behind. Look, I think the the, 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 Judon, con, the Judon injury they could overcome. Keon White's a really good player. But what they can't overcome is, is their secondary. That's why they traded for J.C. Jackson. But the trade, they made it easy to trade for J.C. Jackson because the Chargers are going to pay for most of the freight. It's really it was a no-lose situation for them. I mean, think about it. I mean, Brendan Staley played this guy 44 plays against the Dolphins, and he had him in man coverage against Tyreek Hill. Are we kidding ourselves here? Like, did anybody watch him? Right? So, you know, I think to me, this is I think this is an under game. Mm -hmm. Both, you know, both teams kick field goals. They don't score touchdowns. It's going to be interesting how the Patriots play them, how they handle their the, the receivers because their corner situation is so, so difficult. I mean, at that – at that Cowboy game, when Gonzalez went out, I mean, they were had to put Mills over at corner. They had they had Miles Bryant. They were not good. They had to do something. And now, since the Chargers are going to pay for it, why not do it? Hundred um, percent. You know me. When I handicap this game, I mean, I'm going straight to the head coaching matchup: Bill Belichick versus Dennis Allen. I'll let you guys figure out which side I'm going to be on for this game. Uh, we'll get to the Bengals and the Cardinals. And I got to ask you this question here because Cincinnati is now a three-point favorite on the road against the Cardinals. Total forty-four and a half. Have the Bengals hit rock bottom, Michael? Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a video the other day on on Burrow throwing, and when you go through Burrow's throws and you break them down. It's really bad. First of all, you know, he can't run for a first down. 
I think last year he ran for 27 first downs. You know, he's got eight rushes this year for three yards. You know, they've been outscored 53-19 to 19 in the first half. 53-19, to 19, once again playing from behind with a quarterback who can't move, right? If you look at his numbers and you didn't know that was Joe Burrow, you would say this guy's the worst quarterback in the league. You know, he's not good on first down. He's, you know, he's averaging four point. He's averaging exactly the same as Bryce Young in yards per attempt at four, four, four. Thanks. I mean, that's that's embarrassing, right? And the problem for the, this with this manifests itself because the Bengals, which are not a great defensive team, they're they're on the field for thirty two minutes. Again, it's kind of just carries over, and they can't get the ball to their best player. I mean, uh, uh, Jamar Chase has twenty nine catches in four games and no touchdowns. Right, That's I mean, crazy. so it's really hard. Yeah, it's it's you know their receivers per per catch average eight four. Must win situation down in the desert for the Cincinnati Bengals, and Joe Burrow said that as such. Uh, let's go overseas though. This is an interesting game. In the I think AFC. the wrong team's favored here, Femi. I don't Ooh. trust it, but the wrong team's favored. I think Josh Dobbs has outplayed. You know, Josh Dobbs has outplayed every quarterback we talked about in the twenty twenty one draft, and Daniel Jones if you really want to be honest. So far this year, hasn't thrown interceptions, made plays with his feet, protected his team. If you want to be fair, he has. He's been good. And, and, and the Cardinals, they've been good. And they probably should have more wins in, 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 the, in, the, in the win column there. Jags, Bills, we got about uh, 50 seconds left here. Buffalo is a five-point favorite, total 48. Uh, Jags staying in London back-to-back weeks here. Maybe a little bit of an advantage. Josh Allen, 59 career, start, career wins as a starter. 45 of those have been by seven points or more. I rest my case. Michael's laying it there with Buffalo. Theoretically, he's not a betting man. He's not a betting man. Well, let's squeeze one more quick, quick, quick one in here. Uh, Raven Steelers, sounds like Pickett might play. Who do you like in that one? I think this also sounds like Baltimore is going to play their guys. But here's what I would tell you. You know, when it's three or more points in this game, the dog always wins. 21-3-3 covers. Best rivalry in the NFL. That does it for us here on the GM Shuffle. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Beeson. Thank you to you, Michael. We will react to the Week 5 happenings on Monday's podcast. See you then.